0: I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. I first read Gary's book, The Seed of the Soul, over 25 years ago. It was 1989, and I was just setting out on my own spiritual journey, and I felt like the seat of the soul put into words what my own soul was trying to say. I was so moved by Gary's words, I called information, that's what you did back in the day, and I got his number and dialed him up. And that's how our 25-year-long friendship started. I interviewed Gary on The Oprah Show for the first time in 1998. That conversation would be the first of many more to come. And over the years, he made 36 appearances on the show. Gary taught us all about what it really means to be empowered. For me, Gary's lessons weren't just light bulb moments or ahas. I was experiencing a profound shift in the way I saw myself and the whole world. Now on its silver anniversary, there's a brand new special edition. I wrote the preface as has my mentor, Dr. Maya Angelou. Gary never ceases to surprise me. I learn new things every time we talk. And today, it seems only fitting that we're here to discuss one of my all-time favorite books in one of my all-time favorite spots, beneath the majestic redwoods in my front yard. So you did a 25-year anniversary edition of one of my favorite spiritual teachings of all time. You know this book changed the trajectory of my life.
1: Yes, I read about it in your Preface. (laughs) (laughs) I did a preface for the new book. This book changed the way
0: I saw the world. You know, I say in my introduction that one of the things that I know for sure is that had I not come across *Seed of the Soul in that way, which just opened me up, and wanting to share what was in this book with the rest of the world, also, seeded in me the foundation for wanting to create a network i don't believe we'd be here without the seat of the soul so yeah we uh, are good partners yes but you i know because you said in the in the forward that you went back and you reread seat of the soul yeah words that you wrote by hand at the time
1: or did you use a computer to i used history? a little uh royal a, typewriter. a, a, a corona typewriter oh, a remember portable, those. Yeah.
0: Remember Uh those. Um, And what did you think when you reread it?
1: Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. I've I've lived with that for 25 years and a little before when I started to learn about it. Mm -hmm. But I I realized, why why haven't I come back to this sooner? The words just sank into me like water into dry Mm -hmm. sand. Mm -hmm. And I started to underline. And before I knew it, the whole book was underlined.
0: Yeah, that's what happened to me, my first (laughs) book. That's what happened to me the first time I read a first book. But what is the one key lesson you most hope that people take from the
1: seed of the soul? That every interaction you have is perfect for you and your spiritual growth, and perfect for the spiritual growth of everyone you're interacting with, given the wisdom of the choices that you've made. It's always up to date.
0: Which means there's nothing out of order ever. Ever. Okay. So to me, the book is really about, 25 years later, external power versus internal or authentic power. Yes. That's it. When the personality comes to serve the energy of the soul, that is authentic empowerment. That expanded my view of the world. I mean, because the very idea of, you know, I know I have a big personality. I used that personality my whole life to, to, be, to be who I am. And I'm very fortunate, I feel, because I made a living off of, off of that personality. It never occurred to me till 1989 when I read those words in the Seat of the Soul, when the personality comes to serve the energy of the soul. That is authentic empowering. I could weep right now yeah, because yeah. it just, those were holy words to me. Yeah. When you line up with that, no matter where you are in the world listening to us right now, nobody can touch you. you it's just, it's just, it, it is the most remarkable thing. It, it is a glory hallelujah moment. I don't know where a, that line came to. It's a to you glory or how you hallelujah
1: life. It's a glory hallelujah L- life. Moment by moment yeah. by moment by choice by choice. Yeah.
0: That is the goal is to have your use your personality
1: to serve your soul. That's it, Oprah. That's exactly. And and from the very first conversation we had, you knew that. I yeah. knew you knew that. Yeah. And I knew you knew it before we were talking. Yeah. And whether or not you articulated it or put your finger on it, I think you did, but but I knew this was going to be a good a good co-creation. This is good stuff. (laughs) This is good stuff. It reaches straight into the heart. Try it out and experiment with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you need to do this if you want to change yourself. If you want to change yourself. You don't need to do this because I say you do, Mm -hmm. or Oprah says you do, or divine intelligence says you do. If you don't, you just don't change. You do it because you want an awakened life. You want a
0: more vibrant life. Yes. You want it you want to be. This is what I really wish for everyone and the reason why I have this network and this show in particular and these conversations. There is nothing more vital to your life than living an authentically empowered life. That's it.
1: That's what you were born to
0: create. That is what, and only you can do that.
1: That's right. Yes. That's the real work you need to do with yourself. That's the work. And as you do, you begin to put yourself in a position to experience joy in your life. And it's taken me this long to begin to move a little more into what it really means to live an authentically powerful life. My life was a a seething with emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that came from, but it it was a deep, lack of self-worth, no value. I was embarrassed by my name, my town, uh, what my father did. I was, I just didn't want any of my life. And you grow up and you write the seed of the soul. Can you give
0: me a condensed version of how that happens? Because was your, did your anger lead you to the Green Beret?
1: No, my my lack of worthiness did. I felt I needed to be admirable. I needed to be like a Marlboro man. I needed to jump out. I needed to parachute. I needed to beret. I needed to lock out of submarines. I needed something that people would admire. And I I didn't have the ability at the time to realize what I needed was to be loved. That's what I wanted, not admiration. So I joined the army. I became a special forces officer. I did all of those things. Didn't help. I was still angry. And once I began to realize it's a part of my personality, then I realize I have a choice. I don't have to act on it. Yeah, it still sweeps through me with rage, uh, disdain, arrogance, entitlement, superiority, uh, despair, but I don't need to let them control me.
0: Yeah, I think it's so interesting the way you described, you know, breaking down the parts of anger, rage, despair, arrogance. It always, always, always is about something more. And the more arrogant and the more angry and the more um, superior, the the,
1: the... the more pain. The more pain. Yeah. These are all expressions of fear, mm-hmm. all those things you mentioned. And underneath them is the pain of powerlessness, of wanting to belong and not belonging, of wanting to love and not feeling you can love, of wanting to be loved and feeling unlovable, of feeling uh, defective, intrinsically flawed. Ugly inside. Wow! So if people could see the way you really are inside, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. All of those. Yeah. Everybody. And so has you
0: were it. using all of those external external power mechanisms, like joining the army and the special forces and all of those things, to cover up those feelings that you had.
1: That's it. Yeah. Exactly. And if someone had told me then the world's a loving place, I said, "What world are you living in?"
0: Yeah. And but if it, somebody had told you then what you now know and have written about, and now we're celebrating the 25th anniversary, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have been able to read that book.
1: Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Gary describes his younger self as a macho punk with a chip on his shoulder. He says his regimented military life later gave way to years of drifting. During that time, he says, he secretly began battling an addiction that would haunt him for years. He first spoke about it on the show in 1999.
1: My addiction wasn't to alcohol, my addiction was to sex. I would look for people that I could seduce, and they would be exciting to me. Everything was a scam, a scam for me, to help me get sexual partners, to help me feel better about myself.
0: Gary taught me you can be addicted to anything, to sex, to food, to shopping, to anger, to chaos, whatever it is you use to satisfy an emotional craving or to numb your pain. Gary believes that all addictions are the same. How do you know it's an addiction? Because an addiction means what?
1: An addiction is a craving. You know it's an addiction when you say, I can't stop doing this. I can't stop. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: An addiction is when you can't pass a casino without going in. An addiction is when you can't be in the same room with a bottle of gin and not drink it. An addiction is when you can't walk past a store with your credit card and not walk in and use it. An addiction is when you can't stop eating. That is what an addiction is, but underneath it is pain, the pain of powerlessness. So when you strive to heal an addiction, you're reaching for your highest goal. It is profoundly spiritual. So when you recognize that you have an addiction, then you must either choose to leave it as it is or to change. And if you change it, it, you change your life.
0: And you say your addiction is not stronger than who you want to be.
1: No, it is not. This is something to remember when you're in the grip of an addiction. Remember, this addiction is not stronger than who you are becoming. Mm It is not. And because when you make a
0: decision to change your life,
1: and you reach for it, the universe backs you up. Yes. When you make a decision to heal, to do something healthy, it may only be a small part of your personality that is reaching. Maybe 4% of you wants to heal. The rest of you wants to not heal. But that's the 4% that the universe backs. Uh-huh. Jesus called
0: that the faith of a mustard seed. Yes, the faith of a mustard seed.
1: You say that it is a spiritual event, actually, when you reach the... It is, it is. That's why anyone who has uh, challenged an addiction has done holy work.
0: I can remember this moment like it was yesterday. Back in 2000, we met this young couple, Jody and Ira, who had recently lost one of their twin infant sons, Ryan, just four days after his birth. They were struggling, they didn't know what to do or how to move forward with their daughter Haley and Spencer, the little twin who had survived. Gary's advice changed not only the way I looked at love and loss, but how millions of other viewers did too. This was a seminal moment. One of the most powerful moments I ever experienced, I think changed a lot of people,
1: was the, was the baby Ryan moment. I gave not advice to a mother, but a way of looking at the death of one of her twins that I prayed might be helpful to her so that she wouldn't see it as a loss, but rather would see the presence of that soul mm-hmm. for the brief time that was in her life, that it was in her life to give her gifts. If you look at Ryan, as a soul like yourself, like Ira, like Oprah, like me, like everyone on this earth that left this earth when it chose, then you will have a different perspective. You will be able to see the gifts that this soul offered to you during its short stay on the earth. You will reach a place in your life where you are grateful that this soul chose to be with you for however short a time. If you do not, you will live your life in anguish, thinking that a tragedy has occurred. Whenever you see your other son growing up, you will say, Ryan should be here. When he graduates from high school, you say, Ryan should have graduated. When he finds his wife, he will say, Ryan should be getting married too. And through all of this time, you will be imposing on your other son a burden to carry because no matter what he does or how successful he is, he will be causing mommy pain. If you look at Ryan as a soul, a great soul like yourself, who voluntarily entered the earth school and voluntarily left it, in order to be with you and to offer gifts, then you will begin the process of fathoming and appreciating and becoming grateful for the power of the interaction that you had with that soul. And you will be able to receive the gifts that that soul came to this earth to give you, to give Ira, to give to his siblings. And if you do not, you will continually be turning away from those gifts. You will be denying the very wealth of wisdom and compassion that was offered to you by this soul.
0: Well, that may be the most powerful thing I ever heard you say. That's pretty powerful.
1: I could see her face
0: change on the show. I did, too. I could feel that in that moment. What is the purpose of
1: suffering? First, what is suffering? There's pain and there's suffering. Pain is just pain. She left me. Um, My child has got cancer. It's pain. But pain for a worthy purpose is suffering. Now, what could be more worthy than the health of your soul? What could be more worthy and you're growing into the fullness and depth and power of your heart. Pain for a worthy purpose is suffering. So if you know that your pain serves a purpose, and that purpose is your spiritual growth, that's suffering. Mm-hmm. That's feeling the part of your personality that doesn't trust the universe. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. feeling the part of your personality that doesn't feel worthy. That's feeling the part of your personality that must have something or someone else in order to be valuable enough to, to be alive in the Earth. Having the courage to do that, the commitment to do that, and to not act on it, that's suffering.
0: Can we learn as much from the joy? I mean, all of us, you know, I think particularly those who are supersolars and other people who are seeking around the world in their own ways, we learn a lot from our pains, pain Suffering teaches us a lot, those experiences. Is it possible to get as much out of joy? Absolutely,
1: yes, (laughs) that's a big yes. But how can you be joyful when you're caught up in anger? How can you be joyful when you're jealous? How can you be joyful when you're comparing yourself with other people and coming out feeling better or worse? In other words, the creation of authentic power is the creation of a life of joy. You can be happy when you get something that a frightened part of your personality wants. You can. Oh, for a moment you are. Of course, you you you, you think, I'm going to get that Mercedes. Yeah. You come out to the parking lot and somebody's run into your new Mercedes and then you go down. So temporary uh, happiness is transient, but joy, that is uh, something that's ignited inside of you. And it's independent of what goes on outside of you.
0: You say that we can find meaning in everything. hmm I
1: can give you an example. Linda and I were on a road trip. And she was doing her best to stay awake because she didn't want to wake me up. I was sleeping in the passenger seat. And she kept you know, trying to wake herself up. But she fell asleep at 70 miles an hour. Ah. And as soon as the tires hit the wake-up bumps on the side of the freeway, it woke us both up. But by then the freeway was already over here and we were in a broad, dry grassy center strip. And I was thinking, we can ride this out. Come on, beloved, just keep it straight, keep it straight and keep control of it and we'll just drift back onto the freeway. But something happened and the car swerved sharply to the left and as soon as that happened, a tornado of dust engulfed us. I couldn't couldn't see past the windows. There was nothing I could do. There's nothing I don't think Linda could do. Uh, And the car swirled 360 degrees. 360 degrees. It had to be because we burst out of the dust, and we were pointed straight down the center strip in the same direction that we were going when we went into this turn. Whoa. And we were able to pull off. So I'm telling you about this because we were talking about it, and Linda was, uh, of course, her greatest relief was, I didn't hurt anyone. And, and then, of course, we were both so happy to be alive.
0: But we're pretty not- shaken up, though.
1: There was no fear, by the way, while this was happening. You had no fear? No, none. I was just watching it, seeing it. Linda also, she told me she had no fear. But I saw what could have happened. And uh, we could have been dead. We could have had broken bodies. Yeah. At the end of that, when we uh, finally pulled off the side of the freeway and we got out, and uh, I held Linda, and she was weeping. We just were, I don't know, we'd have to ask her. Relief, joy. And the cars were going by on the freeway. They were just seeing a couple standing by the freeway, embracing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Think of anything else except I was so glad Linda was alive but I was so glad I was alive and I could still tell people about authentic power and what it is and why it's so important and the role that it plays in in, in the evolution of our entire species and I was filled with gratitude and just when, when you were saying what you were saying about the personality coming to serve the soul in I realize how deeply that is in me now. And that's why I told you earlier today, I cannot tell you how glad I am to see you again.
0: Because did that happen on the way here?
1: Yeah. It happened about 19 hours ago. Wow. Yeah. So before I've come here, we've had shows in the studio. We've had shows under the oaks. I've treasured them all. But I treasure every moment. Oh of my this goodness. Point.
0: Oh my goodness. Wow. So, this is your second round of Soul to Soul. We have some brand new questions for you. What does it mean to be soulful?
1: It means to be living a life of meaning, of gratification, of fulfillment, but not because you're getting what you want but because it's satisfying something deep in you. And it has to do with giving. That I know for sure.
0: Do you have a morning ritual? Yes. What is it? Describe it.
1: I tell Linda I love her because affection wasn't exchanged much between my parents, even though they had a bond. And I resolve not to let our lives be like that. Uh, Another ritual is we meditate. Um, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes? It depends. Uh, I would say, in average, 15 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I listen to my intuition. I set my intentions. For the day? Yes. Uh, It helps me feel grounded so that I can uh, sit down in front of a a full inbox of emails and not get swept away with it. Mm
0: -hmm. What is the
1: lesson that took you the longest to learn? (laughs) Love. (laughs) I'm not saying that I've learned it. (laughs) I've got my moments now. Mm. Like, like realizing I'm so glad I'm alive so that I can share this, not so that anyone will recognize me or that I'll get anything out of it, that's. That's no longer the picture. The picture is. Love.
0: What would you do if you knew that you could not fail?
1: I do what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. You know, because. Fail, what is failure? It's we can't possibly know what failure is. We can not. Well, some people think they do. Most people think they do. Yeah. But that's because they're judging how they feel their lives should be and what they need to be a success. Who is to say what's a success or what's a failure? Do your best. Trust. Relax. Do your best. Enjoy yourself. And a lot of what we've been talking about falls in the do your best step. Yeah.
0: How do you feel about, I mean, this is like, isn't this like your baby? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Well, yeah, how do you feel? 20, here parents. we
0: are, 25 years later, <laughs> we're, we're still talking about yeah. it. How do you feel? Do you feel that the world is in a pl- space where it's better able to receive these this message 25 years later?
1: Absolutely, because we are past a re- an evolutionary threshold. Mm-hmm. And I say, my baby. Well, I decided I made the decision to take the time to write it. I was more than the pencil on the paper because it, it, it wasn't just flowing through me. I, but I participated in it. It was a choice that I made. I didn't have to write that book. Right. So in that sense, I can say I was part of the paternity of that. But it didn't come from me. It came from the universe. Mm -hmm. We are in a huge evolutionary transformation. Our entire human family is undergoing something bigger than it's ever experienced. Hundreds of millions of people are beginning to get a sense of themselves as more than they thought they were.
0: The last line of Seed of the Soul is, it is exciting to come of age spiritually. Do you think you've come of age spiritually?
1: We all are. We are all coming of age spiritually. That's when we begin to see that the cancer has a meaning. That's when we see that the foreclosure uh, can be the beginning of something and not the ending. We're not powerless. And the more that we think we are, the more we create painful consequences for ourselves. And the more we create painful consequences for ourselves, the more we encounter them and become angry or jealous or resentful and think that we're invisible and invisible. And this goes on and on. It can go on for lifetimes. But you can stop it. And you can stop it by challenging your anger. And if you can do that, go for it. Do it. Whatever you can do to live a life of love and purpose and meaning and joy and fulfillment, all the same things. All the same. Thank you, Gary Zukoff,
0: for helping us
1: come of age spiritually.
0: (laughs) 25 years later, Seed of the Soul. Amazing. Thank you. Gary, that's (laughs) terrific, as usual, as I knew it would be. Thank you, Oprah. It's so good to talk with you. It's just so good. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.